And from the border of liberty and prosperity and the highway to the north, this is our little disclaimer here before we start. Hi, this is Jim from Safety Wars. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And here we are. Safety Wars for Tuesday, October 2023. How's everybody doing? It's been a while. As usual, running myself ragged. I was Including mom. Why are you always running yourself? I wanted to thank everybody. I'm going to start out right off the bat and thank everybody for all the nice, warm birthday wishes. So uh, I'm, on my Facebook page, I made it uh, public. My birthday, uh, I only make it public for like two days a year. And, that, and I forgot to do that Sunday night. So I ended up doing it 5.30 Sunday morning and half the people I know only go on Facebook before six o'clock in the morning here on the East Coast. So I got a flurry of messages today on to, oh, I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. I didn't know. I didn't know. Sorry, sir. It's okay. It's okay. I know some people who have birthday celebrations that last the entire month. I'm not one of them. Too much celebration is not good for the soul. We got to be here fighting that safety war, but we have to be well rested enough to fight that safety war. And a couple of the programs I did go on in the last week or so. I ended up, uh, they weren't good, so I didn't release them on the podcast. They, they're probably out there on videos somewhere. You know, we got, you know, different computers, different this, different that, stuff, audio not being recorded. Uh, you know, it's been a nightmare. I'll probably release some of that as a best of show in the very near future. Now, a lot of developments here. On our September 27th, 2023 program, I did something a little bit different. I about the sec. By the way, you like the new safety wars stuff here? Uh, safety wars gear, right? It was a big hit at the Conklin conference. Anyway, if you if you uh, have we're listening on the twenty seventh, I departed from the normal thing, and I and, and we're going to be talking about it more and more because I have specific experience in working in presidential campaigns, national level uh, campaigns for people that you've uh, heard of, all right? Uh, now, the official candidates, not one of these, you know, faux candidate things, or, the, you know, they're not on the ballot, that sort of thing. And uh, I, I shared all my experience. How do you get on the ballot and everything else? Now, lo and behold, a broadcast network, uh, I know I'm flipping through the stations yesterday, I'm doing my thing, you know, on AM radio, and I come across 
Roger Stone, who I have worked with uh, before. Uh, when was it? 2000. Uh, the Bob Franks campaign. Uh, rest in peace, Bob. A uh, wonderful guy. Uh, he was, I forget, he was running for Senate, I believe, and uh, Roger Stone was in there. Uh, also, you know, as a consultant, I was there as a volunteer, one of my early political campaigns. And wouldn't you know it, he was discussing the same thing that I talked about on September 27th of this year. And that is how you get on the ballot and how Robert F. Kennedy, who I have a call in to, uh, was going to a third party, going independent, or might have been green, something outlivered, whatever his situation is. And he was talking about ballot access and how it takes time to have uh, be on the ballot. No, you need enough time to collect signatures. He had a little bit of a different take than I did, but it was basically the same take. Uh, on that, you know, two different people, two points of view. And he works on, a, obviously, a much higher level than I ever did. His candidates actually won. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, but what's my point? Here on the Safety FM network, we, uh, between Jay Allen and I on the live shows, we are ahead of a lot of the other stories out there. Where did you first hear about the fake... COVID cards being issued by the state of Tennessee. They would issue you a blank card. Where did you hear that? First time you heard it was here on this show, on the podcast, and also on the Radar Safety Show. A lot of the press releases we have, guess what? We read them out, they make it to the newspapers. Sometimes, like the one we're going to talk about tonight, did not, uh, I found it out from the New York Times last week, and the, uh, Department of Labor just issued a press release yesterday when I was going to be here on my birthday. My wife took me out to a wonderful restaurant with the kids uh, and everything else. You can check out my Facebook page. I gave them a little bit of a plug. And they, uh, you know, so those are two. And we get to stories a lot, uh, way before a lot of people. So share this with your friends, your families, your coworkers, and maybe you'll be ahead of the ball just a little bit by a couple of hours on this. And that's the advantage of having a nighttime show. And I'm, I know I'm broadcasting early because I am coaching baseball tonight, uh, or at least supporting the person who's coaching baseball. Uh, our regular coach will just say uh, he won't be there tonight, and we'll leave it at that. Anyway, what's what's going on here? So, on my if you saw on the introduction here, I know on the podcast you didn't do that uh, on the audio portion. Back in two thousand and twenty, I believe it was. Hold on one second. I still have this, whatever going on. I was in Miami over the weekend doing first aid CPR training and uh, doing first aid CPR training uh, for one of my clients. Yes, you go on the road for first aid CPR training? Yes, I go on the road for first aid CPR training. And we have a little bit of a different take. We talk about workplace first aid CPR and We'll leave it at that. I'm not going to give up all the information, but that I approach it a little bit differently than community. And, uh, you know, that's basically it. But anyway, in, 2000, uh, in uh, 2020, I had a milestone birthday. 
And I always try to remember, uh, let me pull up the quote because my, the quote did not come up here. Uh, hold on. Uh, here you go. Uh, basically you cannot, let me just do, do this. I, I had a milestone birthday and I made a personal decision. I said, look, I'm 50 years old. I, I've always listened to other people a lot in my life. All right. And they haven't always had the, my best interests or maybe uh, in heart. Some of them didn't. I mean, some of them were evil bastards. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, but uh, a lot of them well-intentioned, but they did not have all the information like we talk about with human organizational performance where we tried to have things in perspective. We tried to add context to things because context drives behavior and context is everything. We'll talk about that with the war here in uh, a minute here and how this figures in out there. And hold on. And uh, no, well, with the war and everything else here, uh, and it's not coming up. Hold on. I have the one quote here. Yes. Jim, you should be better prepared. Yeah. Well, we could always be better prepared. And I, I said, you know, I carrying around a lot of emotional baggage. I said, I've been in this thing for uh, how many years? 30 years. And I said, we're, we can't continue on this way. I can't do it with uh, listening to other people and uh, who have things out of context. The people who had things in context gave me uh, good advice from their point of view. I can't argue, uh, argue that. And we, uh, it, it comes down to this. This is a quote from Bruce Springsteen from his movie, Western Stars. And this is something I take to heart. I put this up there and this was my, uh, my uh, 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 quote that I put out two year, uh, three years ago now. Hold on, I just lost it. Yes, we do know human error is normal. Hold on. The older you get, the heavier that baggage becomes that you haven't sorted through. So you pay the price. The older you get, the heavier it becomes. A lot of folks, and when I'm finding this out here, and it's been good for the last three years with what we've gone through the, with the pandemic, there's a lot of people with a lot of emotional baggage out there. And they're letting that dictate their lives. All right, they let that rule their lives and it holds them back in any, many different ways. A lot of that will never be able, there, there's certain things you can't get over that you just have to get through, but you can't let that impact your everyday life because it impacts your happiness, it impacts your relationships, it impacts whatever your business relationships are. And that's what we've got to try to get away from, this emotional baggage. You have to... I came to the, also the realization eventually that, that no, I was afraid of offending people. And then it occurred to me, and someone pointed it out, I forget who. Well, Jim, do you think that they sit around worrying about offending you, that person you're afraid of offending? And I said, you know what? That's one hell of a way. That's one hell of a question there. That's one hell of a way of looking at it. So they don't really care what you think, how you feel, or anything else. They say many hurtful things, so maybe 
you should just one eliminate them from your life. If you don't eliminate them from life, call them, call them on it. I'm not, you know, in a nice way. Uh, I've tried to elim- eliminate most of those people from my life. And the other thing is this: when I, my, my, I think I don't say, I don't, and that, and something. The uh, next quote I'm going to share you, uh, I'm going to share with you. Right, you cannot have an emotional reaction with things. You have to unload this fact. You have to let it go. Just get it out of your head because it's holding you back. The second quote that I have here, and it's usually attributed to Warren Buffett, but Warren Buffett never said this. We're not even sure who said this. So if anyone has a primary source, I'm willing to listen, and I'll attribute it to him or her. You will continue to suffer if you have an emotional reaction to everything that is said to you. True power is sitting back and observing things with logic. A little bit of Mr. Spock lingo there. True power is restraint. If words control you, that means everyone else can control you. Breathe and allow things to pass. I'll add to this. Anything that's said or done to you or any situation you have. Because what we learned with our uh, pushback that uh, safety professionals get, which was one of our first programs, what we learned that was that uh, according to Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals, the threat is worse than the thing. Right? You're going to do X, Y, and Z, otherwise X, Y, and Z is going to happen. And we get into this trap in safety often where we're going to say, wear those safety glasses, otherwise you're going your, uh, to get something in your eye. What reinforces the behavior? It's not the one time, and I'll use Heinrich's number. Right? It's not the one time that you get something in your eyes. It's the other 300 times and nothing happens. Or 299. That's what reinforces the behavior. That's why we've gotten away from this and we define safety as the presence of controls, not the absence of incidents. Because if you define it as the absence of incidents, you get something happening and then all of a sudden, oh, oh we're an unsafe company. You're a bad person. Shame on you. Shame. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. You have presence of controls, and this is what I am preaching now, and you can hear me preach it at the ASSP event here in Rockland County on October 27th. So you have to, if it's disarming, it's liberating, not to be able to, not to react the way that people want you to react. And if you really want to piss people off, and I tell you what, you got to be prepared for this. Someone's screaming and yelling at you, trying to get an emotional reaction out of you, and you do nothing. And you're like, oh, okay, whatever. All of a sudden, you turn tables on them. They don't know what to do. And then you hear, well, Jim, you now have a bleep you attitude. Well, no, I don't. It's just that I don't let things get get me upset. Why are you getting so upset? And you know, uh, what we learn is from the uh, nervous system, the way our brains work, if you tell someone to calm down, they're not going to calm down because that's pure emotion and extremely difficult to control. But nonetheless, we have to make attempts to control our emotions here. Okay. Uh, what else we got here? That's what's going on. I'm going to go to our first commercial break, and we're going to set up the rest of the program here. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? 
Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with the Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. OSHA recordables, catastrophic losses, environmental disasters. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Pozel with Safety Wars. That's my daddy. And we are back. And yes, that is Jessica Pozel there. I'm her daddy, Jessica. I am your father. Safety Wars is streaming now. SafetyFM.com Okay, I pulled up the uh, Department of Labor press release here. Uh, I will break with our standard practice. And since I am displaying the press release here, and if you're on a very large monitor, I'm sure you can see this, uh, I will include the name of the contractor. Now, uh, as we all know, everything one is innocent until proven guilty uh, in a court of law. Uh, a lot of these things may be vacated, uh, negotiated, litigated away, things of that nature. I'm just reading the press release here, and I will verify, right? Often when I know personally about these incidents or I hear from a primary source uh, in the background, no, people talk to me. Yes, people talk to me. I, uh, uh, no, I said, well, you know, is this... uh, accurate or not. So real quick story. I was, there was a CSV video out there that was not necessarily accurate. Uh, it was shown during a very large, uh, training class. And I said, and I go up to the, uh, presenter and said, you don't want to put that video in there because there's some, uh, you know, dispute as to whether that's completely accurate or includes a lot of the incidents. And they showed it. Of course they ignore you. And uh, sure enough, uh, the foreman from that job was in the audience and got up and cursed the guy out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it was not nice. And I went after, there after and said, you should have listened. You should have listened because, you know. Anyway, two employees, and this is from the U.S. Department of Labor. U.S. Department of Labor cites Bronx contractor for excavation hazards after deaths of two workers at JFK Airport. That was back on April 3rd. Two employees of a Bronx water and sewer line construction contractor were fatally injured in a trench at a construction site at JFK International Airport in Queens on April 3rd. These fatalities could have been prevented if their employer had ensured their proper safeguards a federal investigation found. The two employees were attempting to remove soil from below a slab of concrete located within a trench when the slab broke apart and collapsed fatally crushing both workers. U.S. Department of Labor OSHA inspectors found that Triumph Construction failed to 
And we'll go through the citations, so it's 59,153. The information that I have from the field indicates that this is correct. Uh, here, this is exactly what happened. I did not mention it at the time because I, you know, I wanted to make sure the investigation was over with because we do have people in uh, the Port Authority of New York, New Jersey, who listen to this show. I know because I present things, and then two or three days later, I get a copy of an email from them. Uh, it's from someone internally discussing some of the stuff we talk about here. Working in excavations is inherently dangerous. This is a quote. Uh, Demolition of existing structures must be carefully planned. Ensuring systems must be built according to their design. Employers are obligated to make a good faith effort to recognize, evaluate, and control workplace hazards throughout the course of the work and as conditions change, which this company did not do, said Kevin Sullivan, OSHA's Long Island and Queens Area Director. Diligent oversight and management of changing worksite conditions could have helped prevent this tragedy from happening. Now, if there is a uh, question as to whether or not you should do a daily job hazard analysis in the construction field, this situation probably should put that argument to rest. Here, my opinion, one man's opinion. Right? And there's a lot of people who say, well, job hazard analysis every day, that's a waste of time. I hear safety professionals. There was one comment at the Conklin conference, which was a valid comment valid uh, thing. Well, if you have the same hazards every day, why are you doing this? Well, in, in general industry, some of the applications, that may be fine and dandy. Construction, not so much. Especially when you have a competent person. So this is the, uh, falls upon the competent person or the safety manager to do this every day. Citation one, item one, 29 CFR 1926.21 B2. The employer did not instruct each employee in the recognition and avoidance of unsafe conditions and the regulations applicable to his work environment to control or eliminate any hazards or exposure to illness or injury. Two employees were exposed to crushed by hazards while, and that's one of the OSHA focus four, remember, while employees removed soil underneath a concrete slab. The employer did not instruct employees on the means and methods to support the concrete slab while digging underneath the slab. It was 15625 Let me explain this. I, I, try to explain this to you. This is what happens. And uh, look, I'm not against unions. I'm not for unions. I'm not against uh, non-union workers. I'm not for them. I'm just saying this is the way companies view things. You're a union workforce. You call up on the phone. Hey, uh, you, you know, you call, hey. I need uh, three guys for tomorrow, regardless of the trade. Okay. Or I need three guys next week, whatever, two guys, one guy. And you get, hey, they show up to the job site. Okay. Show me your union credentials. Okay. You're good. Let, let me see your training. And in New York, you have the site safety credential that they get, the 40 hours site safety uh, certification. And it's for the Department of Buildings. Okay. Does the Port Authority work under the jurisdiction of the Department of Buildings? Uh, I don't know. Maybe I should have the game show music here, right? The answer is no. It is not under the uh, Department of Buildings. It's all, all under federal regulations and New York state law were applicable. Now, here we go. Here. 
you're you come there how with the uh, with a the forty hour credential now it's the thirty hour you're required to take the thirty hour OSHA construction site health and safety credential even if you're a trainer you're supposed to take that class even though you trained that class which I think is completely bizarre and uh, you know uh, if you lived in the New York area and you and you knew the people in power yeah well it's completely understandable while they why they would do that that's the oh we have to do something thing all right routine we have to do something not the well let's find out what happened now what happens is the companies hire them on and it could be union or non-union and they see you with that credential they may send you out for that credential if you're non-union and they say now we are certified in everything our people are good. I've been told by safety professionals that that's the only credential that they need. They don't need anything else. They don't need any training. And what is OSHA outreach training? Go ahead. Come on. You know the answer. The answer is this. It is an awareness level training. You're not certified in anything. I'm not even sure. I would have to double check excavation may not even be part of that training. It does come under under, under caught vitrine or struck by or something like that. But specifically, that may not even part, be part of the training. What's the training? I go, went away, to the, and I'm not bragging here. You go away to the Rutgers, for example, the Ocean Outreach Center. That's like a three-day freaking class. And you're in there, and you're talking about, okay, confident person, you're in there, and you're in, I got the soil, this is clay, this is type A, type B, type C, you're going through this whole thing. I don't think an awareness level training is going to cover that, especially an awareness level training that's taken online. But you can fix that. You can call me, 845-269-5772, right? I got a nice iPhone 15 now uh, that I uh, had to get. That's another story. And but anyway, you could give us up, but and I think this is what happened here. I'm reading into this. I'm drawing an inference is that they probably said, "Well, hell, these guys are already trained. They should know what they're doing. They're outreach trained." Well, oh, and you know what the defense is? Well, you're not awareness level trained. That's not actual 1926 uh, uh, subpart uh, L or whatever it is. 1926 650 training and all that sub L sub B, whatever it is, right? That's not that. And that's what their defense is going to be. That's why you have to have a job hazard analysis here where every day you go, hey, this is what it is. It takes five minutes. Now, I, let me explain to this, you this also. How much is a fatality worth to a company? Dollar amount? Come on. Come on. We all know this. It varies. Okay. We have workers' comp. Yeah. Well, I, I know of a company that uh, had a workers' comp situation, a major loss, and they're basically out of business because they couldn't afford the workers' comp after that. So it's very expensive. The answer is roughly about a million bucks, give or take. All right. Now you have a situation here because what happens is these folks are now going to, uh, uh, no, would you rather spend the five, five minutes to review health and safety stuff on a JHA every day? Or would you rather have a fatality? Now you have a pro sign of 15,625. Would you rather send them out for training? There are people who do training in the field. 
845-269-5772. Jim at safetywords.com. Here we are. Give us a call. We do that training. You'll get it from me. I'll be a much more less energetic during the training, but we'll get there. We'll get there. It's 29 CFR 1926 651. While the excavation is open, underground utilities are not protected, supported, or removed as necessary to safeguard employees. Right? Not reduce them to zero to safeguard them because it's part of the system. An employee was exposing the collapse of a concrete slab when he was removing soil underneath a concrete slab and it was not supported. 15,625. Right, so that was a concrete slab. Now they got him again. Citation one, item three. While excavation is open, underground installations are not protected, supported, or removed as necessary to safeguard employees. An employee was exposed to a collapse of a concrete slab when he was removing soil underneath a concrete slab, and it was not supported. It's the same one. They got him citation one, item two, and item three. That was the same one. Another 15625 Next one, citation one, item four. Design of support systems, shields, and other protective systems, right? Designs of support systems, shield systems, and other protective systems selected and constructed by the employer or his designee were not in accordance with the requirements of paragraph C1 or in the alternative C2 or in the alternative C3 or in the alternative C4. Employees were working in a trench approximately 8 feet wide and 88 feet long. 14 feet deep. You're getting, remember, at 20 feet, you need a registered professional engineer in the state of New York to design these things. You're at 14 feet down. And they're working, what kind of soil you're working in? I'm going to bet money on this that it was probably type C soil. And it probably had water moving in it. I'm, that's an inference. Uh, just... I'm very familiar with the physical geography of this area. All right? This is what you get at 14 feet deep. And the water table is probably at 10 feet uh, when the, during high tide because it's probably a tidal aquifer here. With a protective system that was not constructed based on designs in accordance with the requirements of 1956 $12,278. Not a lot. All right? Now, for a grand total of $59,153. Now, you're going to say, two men are dead. Jimmy, I don't get this. Two men are dead. These are all serious. None of these are repeat offenses. And uh, I didn't see any repeat offenses in the uh, OSHA establishment search for listed for this company. Why is it that low? Well, guess what? They got the maximum on three of them. And... Pretty high fine on the fourth one. Well, because these are serious. That's the maximum allowed by statute with this. Now, this is uh, what it comes down to. They're often, and I'm not saying this is what this is. I have no knowledge of this here specifically. Often OSHA will give a low citation amount. will give a low amount uh just to get you to admit guilt because they think there's going to be a lawsuit somewhere in here. Uh, get you to admit wrong, wrongdoing. I've been on fatalities where that was like a $1,500 uh, citation, right? Because they were wanted to admit, uh, wanted the company to admit guilt on here, not argue things. 
that works out when there was one uh, famous case uh, for SeaWorld uh, where they battled it out for years for a $9,000 fine uh, due to a fatality there. So, now this is often uh, what goes on. Uh, rest in peace to the two gentlemen and uh, that did that died. Let's remember there are human beings uh, involved in this. There are families involved with this. And uh, that's where I'm going to stop sharing on that and go back to our regular view. Any questions there? All right. Uh, let's take another commercial break here. And... Hold on, here it is. In a world where danger lurks in every corner, one man stands as a beacon of hope. Jim Polzel, a veteran safety expert with over three decades of experience, now bringing his knowledge to you with Safety Wars. Engaging, informative, and always relevant, that's Safety Wars. Join a safety revolution with Safety Wars, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts and videos. This is our Tuesday hop message. This is Safety Wars, broadcasting to our brothers and sisters in the occupied territory of behavior-based safety. Get out your secret decoder ring. Here is your nightly message. Blame fixes nothing. Blame fixes nothing. Okay, here we go. Next one. Andover, Massachusetts. U.S. Department of Labor cites... Can't believe it's 36 minutes uh, into this program. U.S. Department of Labor cites Massachusetts Alloys manufacturer for failing to protect employees against exposure to beryllium. Uh, my father had uh, he didn't he didn't he talked a little bit about safety, but I remember with him he said that uh, where he worked, Western Electric in Kearney, New Jersey, which used to be the largest uh, employer in New Jersey. Uh, what uh, that they had a beryllium room there, and they had industrial hygiene. He retired in '87, so this is going way back. They had industrial hygiene uh, procedures in there that were ridiculous, ventilation and everything. Nobody ever wanted to work with beryllium, and I believe that they had paid the people more uh, because of uh, this uh, to work in there. And I said, you know, they had their own showers. They were in there with Tyvek suits. They're in there with gloves. They're in there with respirators. They're in there with all different kinds of stuff. So, and when we look at the permissible exposure limit for beryllium, that's, uh, calculated over an eight hour day at 0.2 micrograms per meter cubed. That ain't a whole hell of a lot. That's extremely small, uh, with that. So, one milligram, if we, we recall, is like four uh, almonds. It's like one gram. Now you divide that into a million, and now you, you know, those are shelled almonds, not with the shell. So uh, so you're dealing with all. Divide those four almonds into a million pieces. You got yourself one microgram, and this is 0 0.2 micrograms as the PEL. So this is 29 CFR 1910 1024. The employer did not ensure that no employee was exposed to beryllium in excess of 0.2 micrograms per meter cubed. And that one was a $6,250 fine. Citation, and that was a serious. Citation one item two, serious. There, the employer did not 
uh, ensure that no employee was exposed to an airborne concentration in excess of two micrograms. That is also known as a short-term exposure limit as determined over a sampling period of 15 minutes. That was $6,250. Citation on item three, type of violation serious. Where the most recent exposure monitoring indicated that airborne exposure was above the PEL, the employer did not repeat the monitoring. So they did the monitoring and they didn't repeat it within three months in the most recent. So according to the beryllium standard, 1910-1024, they have to do, you have to do this periodically until you don't. But uh, $6,250 for that one. And uh, if I had to guess, it didn't say here. I think OSHA probably did the monitoring here themselves. 29 CFR 1910-1024, the employer did not establish, implement, or maintain a written exposure control plan. Another 6250. Citation 1, item 5, the employer did not use engineering and or work practice controls to the extent that such controls are feasible to reduce and or maintain employee airborne exposure to or below the PEL and STEL. Another 6250. Citation 1, item 6, type of violation serious. The employer did not ensure each employee stored and kept beryllium-contaminated PPE and equipment separate from street clothing at 62.50. No uniform uh, program there. Citation on item 7, the employer did not ensure that all reusable PPE and equipment required by the standard was clean and laundered. That was another 62.50. And citation on item 8, the employer did not provide employees... uh, to use PPE or equipment under H-1-2 of the standard uh, with a designated change room in accordance with the standard. And I'm going to read the explanation. On or about 6-8-2023, employees required to change into PPE, such as coveralls, were not provided an adequate change room. 62-50. I see them beating that one, right? The employer did not uh, maintain all services in a citation one item 9, did not maintain all surfaces and beryllium work areas and regulated areas as free as practical of beryllium, 6250. Citation 1, item 10, materials designated for disposal that contain or were contaminated with beryllium were not disposed of in sealed and permeable enclosures such as bags or containers, 6250. I see a running theme here. Citation 1, item 11, type of violation serious. The employer did not provide a medical examination at least every two years to the employee who continued to meet the criteria of the standard in the grinding room. 6250. How much does physical go for? 500 bucks. Citation 2, there's more. No signs other than serious. $501. And that was signed by Sarah Carl. For a grand total of $69,251. Okay. A little commentary here. On the previous story, you had two fatalities. Fined for $59,000. They found only four things wrong. I could almost guarantee that there were more things wrong. Here we have someone who didn't die. This sounds more like an employee referral or maybe a worker's comp issue on the outside. They found... Uh, 10, 11, 12 things here for 69,251. It was a smaller business. I get that. Do you see why people get pissed off over this? Really? Do you see where people get a little bit pissed off? I don't, you know, fatality, $59,000. 
And uh, I'm sure that they'll put in the scaffold law in there. And then the scaffold law goes in there in New York. I would have to double check that. Uh, you know, it's going to be, they're getting, they're get, you know. You, now, bring your checkbook. You're going to court, bring your checkbook. All right. Uh, and here we have $70,000. Nobody got, uh, I don't know if the gentleman got injured. I'm assuming a gentleman here got injured. But uh, 69000 you can't see where people are getting a little bit upset with the way these things run here. And uh, I don't know if that's even uh, an effective defense in front of the Department of Labor where, hey, uh, you know, you're, you're issuing egregious fines here with this. Do, do, do. Okay. And we are at 43 minutes. I'm going to, I'm going to hold off on these other things because I'm, uh, Gonna not you know what I'll save it for tomorrow the other things uh, here uh, because I'll lead off at the top of the hour. Three federal workplace safety and health investigations that followed the April 2023 death of a worker at a Tulsa manufacturing facility found the company exposed employees to struck by hazards and identified 36. I went through this on one of the programs I'm not releasing here. 36. So what what are we looking at? Uh, right. Uh, what's the grand total here? Do do do. The press release does not have a grand total. So we're going to, oh, here it is. $275,890 in penalties. That was over three inspections. Again, right? This is from a fatality where a worker uh, died during a pressure testing of a heat uh, exchanger. With pressure at 2,600 PSI, one of the exchanger's plugs blew off and struck the employee. OSHA determined the company violated the general duty clause for not keeping its employees safe. Further inspections at the facility identified 25 serious safety violations related to the following hazards. Failure to keep exits free of obstructions, allowing a barrel of flame flammable chemical to not be grounded or bonded. Failing to have an energy control program or service or provide related training, allowing the use of powered industrial trucks, those are uh, usually forklifts, slings and lifting devices that were not safe uh, in safe operating condition, failing to install required machine guards, not ensuring electrical equipment was maintained properly, failing to provide flame-proof shields or screens and protective eyewears to welders and their assistants. There are two other violations here, uh, inspections here, right? Employee, employee uh, continuing, no hearing conservation, right? Establish and maintain an audiometrics testing program. Remember, general industry, you have to have a whole testing program. Make sure the facility's paint spray roof met all OSHA requirements. Keep the space around the spray roof clear and install sprinklers and provide comprehensive respiratory protection and a written hazard chemi- uh, communication program. The agency proposed a combined total of $275,890 in penalties. Again, one fatality. One fatality. They found 36 different things wrong. Two fatalities in New York. Oh, there's only four things wrong. I see something. I don't know. I would question that, Right. On that, I, I'm sorry. Uh, with that, uh, you know, OSHA does their job. I'm sure there's other mitigating circumstances. I'm having a problem with the context of this. I'm really interested in seeing what the context is here. 
I don't know. Warren Vatter, and by the way, you could take a clip of this, you have my permission, and use it and send it to your congressperson and to ask people why this is, right? Warren Battery's cell manufacturing plan faces 270K in penalties after investigators find 19 safety violations. Okay, so here we have another one. Uh, was someone killed here? There are four separate inspections less than a two-week period. That means that you're on the frequent violator or serious violator list or what we all normally call the OSHA shit list. Inspections by OSHA at blah, 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 led the agency to cite some company for 17 things between April 24th and May 25th. All right, now, here we have. OSHA has proposed $270,091 in penalties and issued the company a hazard alert letter asking them to voluntarily reduce accumulations of metal dust. Now, let's face it, metal dust, I, I don't know what kind of metal they're using here, but metal dust Extremely flammable. Not only do you have a respiratory hazard, but you likely have an explosion hazard here uh, from metal dust, depending on what it is. All right. Uh, remember, I had a father and brother in that owned that uh, were worked in machine shops. I heard about this stuff. So here we have nobody died or anything like that. And for whatever reason, they got on their list here. Uh, hold on. Additionally, there, oh, they had a, here, on June 27th, after this, there was a fire in three inquiries, including a report that the company exposed workers to airborne chemicals in a certain area. And after a, a pressure gauge failed on August 20th. Uh, so we're probably going to hear more about this. Since, since this facility began production in August 2022, OSHA cited the plan 11 times, so there were repeat violations here. Now, that understands that, but again, nobody died. 270,091, but there were subsequent injuries probably related to them not doing something here. So, uh, I'm not seeing a link to the report on here, but I, I mean, I tell you what. Maybe Congress could figure it, get its crap together and get a Speaker of the House. Maybe they could advise some of this. This is probably an easy one to get past both houses of Congress and signed by the President to raise, uh, address these things. I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe it's me. We're at 49 minutes here. Okay. Let's talk about this uh, with the war news here. I don't know if I should have a couple of programs on preparing for nuclear war uh, because I tell you what, this stuff is escalating here in Israel. Uh, I had conversations with family members uh, since this started here. As you, everyone knows, uh, no, we're a mixed family. We have some uh, uh, Jewish members of my family, some, and Christian members of the family, majority Christian, but we uh, have family members and very, and I live in a Jewish community here, uh, predominantly Jewish. And one of the things that comes out is, well, Jim, what are you going to say about this on the air? And I say, you know what? I, I'm probably going to go away, but it's like this. On a human organizational performance, the reason why we 
follow that is that we want to know everything that's going on, good and bad, in our workplaces. Now, here we have a situation where we have rampant anti-Semitism in some institutions of our society. And it's not that, hey, no, hey, Israel's a country, you can agree or disagree with some of their policies. We get that. Hey, that's not normal people. Hey, I wish that they would do this a little bit different, this a little bit different, whatever. I disagree with this policy. I, that. Okay, we get that. I don't agree with policies all over the place here. All right, but when it gets to the point, the over-the-top reactions we are getting, for example, there was one of uh, uh, Ivy League University, I'm not going to mention the name of it, that had a petition out there and a billboard that they drove around campus with 38 student signatures uh, that were anti-Semitic reported or can be taken as anti-Semitic. We have other organizations in our society that are now, obviously, anti-Semitic, and people are, like, shocked. They're shocked. Oh, I didn't know that they were anti-Semitic. I didn't know that people actually felt this way. And this is a result of well, that old thing that's been around since probably two generations, since the 50s and 60s. Don't talk about politics, religion, or anything like that in polite company. Well, now that we haven't done that in two or three generations because we have the freaking idiot box... TV and these computers where people could sit back here and be, you know, the keyboard commandos back there because we have that. Now, all of a sudden, we didn't know we had these problems in society? Really? Really? Because we're not talking about this stuff. And if we could talk about this stuff, going back to our original thing, where we're calm and reasonable and we're getting things going and we're getting things done and we're trying to have the best of intentions to work with people, maybe we wouldn't have these problems if we could talk, if we could get along, right? Now we're on the brink of nuclear war because people aren't facing the facts, just like with the human organizational performance. Bad things happen. That's part of it. Bad things happen under the old BBS system that people are still, for some ungodly reason, they're go, go, still, oh, yeah, rah, 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 BBS. I get it. The people who are, came up with it are not evil people. I'm not going to demonize them. But what has what they people have done with this whole system is unforgivable, right? Unforgivable, right? Uh, do I need to get the rant, right? So we haven't heard the rant, right, one, right? Yeah, right? Jim Poles will rant here. You know, do we have to go and not discuss these things? And then all of a sudden, everyone, the I, I tell you what, we have people here in our society, the upper 1%, you could call them the Bilderbergers, because this seems to be conspiracy theory. They ain't conspiracy theory anymore, guys. They have the documents on all these groups. They discuss politics. They discuss religion. They discuss all different kinds of things. I'd love to know what they discuss. I would, but why aren't, you know. But again, with us, we could talk to each other, get along. Maybe if everybody understood what their context was and everybody could get along, maybe we wouldn't have these situations. 
But now these crazy people, the local people, are bringing us to the brink of nuclear war. Really? What's going to happen there now? You bring over those, uh, all these arms and all this other stuff over there. You think that uh, no, someone's not going to get an itchy finger there? You don't think? Yeah, we have safeguards in place in the American military. I have all the faith in the American and Israeli military. But what if you have a religious zealot that goes over there and starts launching missiles in the wrong place? You're willing to have this escalate? I'm not. We're not going to. Right? This is madness. Madness. And no, I have not been drinking tonight. I'm just saying it like this. This is pure Jim Fozel. I don't ever drink before the program. But anyway, I don't drink really. But anyway, you know, this is unbelievable what's going on here with this. And hopefully, cooler heads will uh, prevail here. And this doesn't get escalated into a situation that we're really going to be sorry for. And it's all because people are not talking. We trusted our leaders a little bit too much on this. All this anti-Semitism not, this is not a pathway to success for your cause. On the flip side, going and hating all of the Palestinians and blaming all the Palestinians for this, uh, it's just as racist. Got to get the people who are responsible for this and deal with them appropriately. And I'm going to ask everybody to pray for peace. That's all I got tonight. For Safety Wars, this is Jim Pozel.